I'm going to ask you in just a moment to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. And we will read from that New Testament book uh, in just a few moments. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. I have never met her, but I imagine her to be quite a unique lady. Her name is Sabine Moreau. She's a 67-year-old lady from the country of Belgium. She started off 10 years ago on January the 5th, 2013, intending to pick up a friend from Brussels. Brussels, Belgium, was less than 90 miles from where Sabine lived. However, because of an error in her GPS system, she did not end up where she wanted to go. She did not end up picking up her friend. She ended up more than 900 miles away in the country of Croatia. This unexpected journey took this woman across five international borders. Now let me pause just for a moment and rehearse again what I just went through. She was planning on picking up her friend less than 90 miles from her home, and instead drove over 900 miles in and out of countries until she got to Croatia. The trip should have taken about an hour and a half. Instead, two days later, she was still driving. She finally realized that she had taken a wrong turn somewhere. She'd stopped several times to top off her gas tank and taken catnaps in her car on the side of the road. May I quote Sabine Moreau for you this morning? She said, I was distracted, so I just kept going. She admitted, I saw all kinds of signs, first in French, then in German, And finally, in Croatian, but I continued driving because I was distracted. Now, how many of you here have the app on your phone that is called Life 360? Do we have any Life 360? Oh, wow, we got quite a few. Life 360, basically, as long as your family members or your friends have their phone with them, if they are in your circle, you can tell where they are. It's a great app. We have it in our home. Moreau's son, however, did not have the Life360 app. And so he reported her missing to the local police. They tracked her down by following her bank statements as she made charges at gas stations along the way. Here's what she said finally. She said, when I passed Zagreb, Croatia, I told myself I should turn around. (laughs) 
I cannot imagine starting off on a small journey and then realizing two days later, something is dreadfully wrong here. Have you ever been somewhere that you did not plan on going? Have you ever opened your eyes one day to realize I am standing or I am sitting somewhere I did not plan? I didn't map this out. When I used to pray about this, I didn't have this in mind. I didn't see that turn coming. I didn't see that detour. I didn't plan on this unfolding like it is, but here I am. I'm in a, a different kind of place right now. It is from the Old Testament character, Joseph, and his journey's story in our Bibles that we observe moments which demand a response. Now, last month I began a sermon series on the Sundays in which I will be preaching here this summer, and I simply am entitling these sermons, I Must Decide. Everyone say, I Must Decide. It is from the life of Joseph that we see decision points coming in one's life. A decision point is a moment when a significant choice presents itself. And the decision made in that moment will result in a significant change of course that cannot be undone easily. Joseph's life is full of decision points. It was last month that I preached, I must decide what do I do when I am rejected. How many of you were here on that Sunday morning when pastor preached that? I must decide what am I going to do when I am rejected. Today I am preaching, I must decide how do I act in a strange land? How do I respond when I find myself in a place I did not plan on being. I am preaching today not to the perfect in this room. I am preaching today not to the people that are polished and everything has always worked out exactly the way you planned it. And I would venture to say if you are here and you are saying, yep, yeah, pastor, that's me. Everything has worked out in my life just as I have planned it. You're lying. Because I live in the real world. I know that sometimes you can wake up and maybe sometimes not from your own doing. And you find yourself in a very strange place. Unfamiliar surroundings. A context that seems foggy or seems difficult to even comprehend. What do we do when we are in a strange, strange place? Before we jump into the life of Joseph, allow me to share with you the words of a more recent book in your Bible, the book of Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, perhaps you are there. It is the Apostle Paul who is writing to this New Testament church and he says in the 17th verse of that third chapter of Philippians, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk. So, as you have us for a pattern, I want you to look at the confidence in which Paul speaks. He says, I want you to look at the way we are walking because it is a pattern for your life. 
He flips the context when he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. And here is the reason why. Who set their mind on earthly things. And Paul flips the script when he reminds the Philippians in the very next verse. For our citizenship is in heaven. I'm going to say that again. For our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he also is able to subdue all things to himself. I am so thankful that the Apostle Paul reminded the Philippians of that which I will remind the Cambodians on this Sunday morning. Brothers and sisters, born-again believers in this house, we ought not to worry and fret ourselves when we find ourselves in a strange land here on earth. And let me tell you why. Because our citizenship is not of this world. Our citizenship is not of this earth. We are strangers and we are pilgrims walking through this earth. I'm so thankful that on the journey, he's with me. I want you to say that with me. Say, on the journey, he's with me. Come on, I want you to declare that with a bold voice this morning. On the journey, on the journey, he's with me. Come on, I want you to testify to someone near you right now if you really believe that and say, on your journey, he is with you. On your journey, he is with you. I just feel like I need to say it today. He hasn't forgot about you. He hasn't turned around from you. He hasn't gone in another direction. Our citizenship is not of this earth. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Stand fast in the Lord. What do we do? We're in a strange land, a difficult season, a different kind of place that we haven't got on the radar before. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Paul says when you find yourself in that place, square your shoulders back, draw a line in the sand, and stand fast in the Lord. Come on, I, I got to preach it today. He didn't say stand fast in what you feel. He didn't say stand fast in your emotions. He didn't say stand fast and wet your finger and figure out what everybody else is doing. He said stand fast in the Lord. Anchor yourself in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Stand in the Lord. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'm going to stand in the Lord. 
Oh, I think someone needs to hear that today. This guy needs to hear that today. When I'm in a strange land, we have to stand in the Lord. Paul said to the Ephesians, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, I'm going I'm to make a statement and use a phrase that you have heard this pastor. If you've been a part of this church any time at all, you have heard this pastor say this countless number of times. But right now, it's going to have a different kind of meaning. You ready? Nudge your neighbor and say, get ready. This is going to be good right here. You ready? Here's the statement. Ready? Let's all stand. Now, there was three people that actually did that, and you are the cherished ones. New life, more than even figuratively, let's all stand. You be seated. We're going to do that one more time. I feel like we need to start singing head and shoulders, knees and toes right now. New life. Let's all stand. All right, you can be seated again. I promise I'm not going to ask you to stand. You can stand if you want to later on in this sermon or in the more recent part of this sermon if you want to. But I've come with a word today for somebody. When you find yourself and you wake up in the morning and you find sometimes not because of your own doing... But you find yourself in a difficult place, a strange place, a place you didn't plan on. I want you to hear the echo of a pastor on a Sunday morning telling you to do something beyond just a little form of a service. And that is this. Come on, honey, stand back up. Come on, brother, stand back up. Come on, young adult, stand back up. Come on, man of God, stand back up. Come on, new converts, stand back up. Come on, ladies, stand back up. Come on, gentlemen, stand back up. Stand fast in the Lord. We can't say all the problems we're going to have, but we will stand. We will stand fast in the Lord. You may be seated. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, therefore, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, or our plan, but according to his purpose and his grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He went on to say, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. 
day. Paul said, I'm in chains right now. I'm in a prison right now, but I know in whom I have believed. I know who I put my confidence in. I know there's a brighter day coming. I know there's a sunrise coming. I know there's a breakthrough coming. I know there's a provision coming. So in the meantime, I will stand fast in the Lord. Come on, say, somebody say stand. stand. Come on, someone look at someone near you and say, you got to stand. You got to stand. Shout it one more time, say stand. Now, I want you to do something with me. I promise I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm not going to change clothes or anything, but I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this passage of Scripture about Joseph, this wonderful character of Old Testament. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it's well with your brothers and well with their flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Imagine this in your mind. A certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Reuben said, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. It came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his coat, the coat of many colors that was upon him, and they took him and cast him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it, and they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh, and on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit if there, if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh and his brothers. Listen, the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. You can open your eyes. He left his daddy's house that morning on a mission to check on his brothers. But when his eyes closed in sleep that night, he was imprisoned 
on his way to Egypt. After concocting a false narrative of how a wild beast had killed Joseph, they brought his bloody, colorful coat back to daddy. And Jacob, his father, made a declaration, a, a morbid declaration, for I shall go down into the grave to my son with mourning. And his father wept for him. A family has been ripped apart, sold into slavery. Verse 36, now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. It was not enough that Joseph was sold once, but now he has been sold twice. He's no longer in the hands of strangers called the Midianites. Now he's in the home of one in Egypt called Potiphar. Consider just for a moment the journey of a man waking up in a strange place. And yet the Bible says, that Joseph, when taken down to Egypt, came to Potiphar. Potiphar was a captain of the guard, an Egyptian. And here's the testimony of Joseph when he finds himself in a strange land. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him. The Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand, and Joseph found favor in his sight. I'm in a strange land. I'm surrounded by... Context that seems to contradict everything that I had planned for my life. And yet in the midst of that, the Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. The favor of God was all over Joseph. Not only did he recognize it, but his master recognized it. And then it is as though... A light shines from the fourth verse of Genesis 39. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. I want you to notice what the Bible does not say about Joseph in a strange land. Joseph complained about where he was. Joseph bickered about where he was. Was he human? Did he have difficult low times? Probably so if he's human. But the Bible says of, of a truth. In that context of a strange land, Joseph said, I am here 
And so while I am here, I am going to serve the man in charge. I want you to notice he was doing that at home with his daddy. He was doing that at home with his brothers. And he was also doing that in a strange land. Oh, I feel like the Holy Ghost is speaking to someone here today. When we find ourselves in a difficult place, when we find ourselves in a strange land, we got to just put our head down and say, Lord, I don't understand all of this, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep on serving you, and I'm going to keep on serving others until you make a way for me. I'm not going to charge you foolishly. I'm not running away. I'm not getting bitter in my spirit. I served before, and I'm going to serve right now. Come on, somebody's got to get this in our spirit today. I got to get this from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. When I am in a strange land, I got to serve. I got to serve. I got to serve. I got to get the attention off of me. I got to get the attention off of my emotion. And I must serve. Joseph served in a strange land. And when he did, the Bible says that Potiphar made him overseer of his house. And all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of the house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Whew. Man, I feel dangerous here today. I've said this a long time ago. I feel like I'm going to internally combust right in front of this congregation today. Can I tell you something? You may be on a job that you don't like and that you didn't plan on working at, but here's the thing. Would it be okay with you if because of your attitude of serving in a strange land, God said, I'm going to honor that attitude and I'm going to bless that. Can I tell somebody your workplace is blessed because you are there? Oh, that's not kind of good preaching. That's good preaching right there. That hospital is blessed because you're there. That workplace is blessed because you're there. That office is blessed because you're there. Joseph served and God blessed the house. That school's blessed because you teach there. That office cubicle is blessed because you work there. Joseph served. Everybody shout it. Say served. served. He served in a strange land. Serve where we are at. Don't wait for it to get perfect. Come on, folks. Don't wait for all the start. When it gets better, I'll reinsert myself. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when I'm in a strange place, I serve. And when I serve, he gives favor and he gives anointing and he gives blessing in that reality. Praise God. Paul declared it like this of the Old Testament character David. David, book of Acts 13, David served his generation. Paul said to the Corinthians, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful, serving, serving, serving. 
So when I'm in a strange place, I just keep serving. Let God take care of the future. Let God draw the rest of the picture. Now, when I was taking a class in college on the Psalms, one of my professors was Daniel Seagraves, who Brother Odell and I know him very well, and he just taught a wonderful class on the Messiah and the prophetic overtones found in the book of Psalms. It's just a marvelous book. And yet, it's easy sometimes to think of the book of Psalms as being relegated to just one author, and that's David. But that's actually not true. David wrote many of the Psalms, but Moses also was the author of a few of the Psalms. For instance, the 90th Psalm is a Psalm of Moses. Then, of course, you have all of the Psalms that David wrote on the hillside as a shepherd boy. But I was uniquely fascinated by the fact that Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, also wrote one of the Psalms. It's found in Psalm 137, near the end of that Old Testament book. When Jeremiah, who is a prophet prophesying during and in captivity to the Babylonians, carried away from everything that is known, everything that is comfortable, everything that is typical in life. He's now been carried away with his people to a strange and foreign land in Babylon. And he writes it like this, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept, When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth. That means amusement, even with laughter. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song, Jeremiah said, in a foreign land? Can I just tell you, Jeremiah, I am so glad God let Jeremiah put this in the Bible. Because Jeremiah is having a full-blown grade A number one pity party. Here I have been separated from everything that's normal, everything that's, that's right, everything that's on the, on the radar for my life. I'm in a strange land. I'm being ruled by people that are evil. They're godless people. I'm now sitting by the, the, the side, by the river, and here they come up to me. It's not enough that they brought us captive. But now they come up right in our grill, right in our business, and say, sing us a song of Zion. Come on, honey, get a little melody in your heart. How about a little mirth? How about a little amusement? How about a little laughter? And Jeremiah is just so overwhelmed that he declares in question form, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? It's as though Jeremiah is saying, is it even possible 
to sing a song in a foreign land. Is it possible to get past the trauma to where we can sing? Is it possible to get past the disappointment to where we could sing a melody? Is it possible that we could get through the difficulty enough just to process the thoughts and then transition to a song? And it's as though the scripture just jumped off the page at me. It is impossible if we're singing our song. But if we are singing the Lord's song, if we are singing a song to the Lord, if we are singing a song about the Lord, if we are lifting up our voice and saying, Lord, in the midst of what I don't understand, you're still good, you're still faithful, you still got your eye upon me, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, I got a big ask of people in this room right now. When you're in a strange land, can you get a song in your spirit? Can you get a song in your spirit? Can you let a song rise up? Can you sing the Lord's song? Can you sing the Lord's song? <laughs> I wonder how many in this house right now, how many you've ever made up your own song? Oh, Lord, you are so good. I've never seen my life forsaken by you, Lord. I will bless you today and give you my praise. I will bless you in good times, but I'll bless you always. I didn't get that out of a hymnal somewhere. I didn't get that out of a songbook somewhere. It is my spirit giving a song to the Lord. What am I going to do when I'm in a strange land? How am I going to sing in a strange land? I'm going to lift up my voice in faith. I'm going to be like Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. It's dark. It's midnight. The Bible says they put him in the innermost prison. But at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and New King James Version says, sang hymns to the Lord. <laughs> I know some of y'all are saying, see, that is proof that we need to sing some of them older songs. Do you know what a hymn is? A hymn is specifically written for the purpose of adoration. It is a song of praise. It's not a song about how bad I've got it. It's not a song about how strange this land is. It is a song of praise to the Lord. Victory 
in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me before I knew him and all of my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided. Great, great, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. When I'm in a strange land, I'm going to stand. I'm going to serve. But I'm not going to forget to sing. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. It's the voices of a million angels. They could not express my gratitude. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to Thee. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things He
significant move of the Holy Ghost happening right now. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, here's what I know. There's some people in a strange land right now. But if you're not in a strange land, just tuck this sermon away. It'll come. If you live in this life, it'll eventually come. But we got a weapon to use in a strange land, Brother Josh. We're going to stand. We're going to serve. We're going to sing. I wonder, would it help if you just joined up with someone and prayed with somebody, stood with somebody, served with somebody, sing a song with somebody right now? Come on, the hand of God's on this house right now. Come on, singers, I want you to help us sing and lead us in singing right now. Lead us in worship right now. Come on, New Life Church. Come on, guests that are here right now. God knows where you're at right now. God sees where you're at right now. 